Welcome to the Second Chance Podcast, where we explore the deeper inner workings of the human psyche and new ways to reinvent and invent ourselves for the better, for the wiser, for the more rational, and the happier and the more contented. So whenever we're looking at, let's say, the conspiracy theorist right and the, and the woke left, there should be an analysis of, of what inside of it is, is demonstrating truthhood and what inside of it is demonstrating falsehood. Now, we're quick to find the falsehood, right? We know what's wrong with it, or we assume we know what's wrong with it. But we don't know, we don't know the truth, right? Let's take the conspiracy theorist side first, right? The, the truth in that is that don't take things as you see them. Don't think, take things as you hear them. Information will come your way. Ideas will come your way. Thoughts will come your way. And you must question them. And you must ask, ask yourself and ask those around you, what, what is this really, right? Is, there really, is this really what I'm seeing, right? And am I really getting a proper perspective on it? That's, that's truly something virtuous of humanity and it's such an important task to not be a, a sheep and a follower a sheep in a in a in a procession of of cattle but rather to be to allow yourself the, the the opportunity to dissect what you're being taught and what you're being told into a into a more personal manner, meaning what does this have to do with me, and in a more demonstrating and a more in a more true manner to what you identify as true, meaning what 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 is it that meaning you want that truth, you want it, you want to hear the story, but you want to know the truth of that story. So the conspiracy theorists, they're onto something. Meaning you should question, you should, and you should face, if necessary, the opposition based on what you think is right. You should, you should have that courage because this is, this is, this, once you've analyzed and you've found out this is your truth and this is what you think is true objectively according to your subjective self and you can't really get away from that subjective self so it's basically objective truth for all even though you know there's a subjective element to it but you can't leave that because you can never leave yourself fully right you're always bound to that limitful self so it's that questioning that that really results results in in, in a individuality and in a, in a and a unique character of yourself and and it becomes deeper and deeper to be true for you once you've you've really taken off the layers and and readjusted them according to your analysis now when it goes wrong right when it goes wrong is that everything has to be different than what you hear right Somebody tells you 9-11 happened this way, it can't be it happened this way. Because everybody's corrupt and therefore it has to have happened this way, right? Now the, the goodness of that is that, right, don't don't receive, right? It's this, it's this picture that you've been told. Don't receive it based on you've been, 
based on your 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 initial first react first experience to that to that information, but rather but rather analyze it. But having that filter of always saying it must be something else really becomes foolish in your in your and your truth lying um, dynamic in your in your 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 integrity because you're just automatic you're automatically just seeing the opposite of everything so if somebody tells you today it's hot it's cold today and today it's 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 uh humid and today it's you know it's completely uh completely dry so all right so you don't want to be that opposite because then you're you're no no different than those who just receive information and, and do no analysis, if you're just gonna automatically filter it in one way, right? So I think that's the, the truth that the, the right is, is picking up on. And they're also, they're also picking on another fundamental truth of, of, our, of our decrepitation of society. And that's that we're, we're, we're easy to receive narratives. Right, we've become really coming from the left, but we're like, somebody sells me a nice narrative. It doesn't matter what the information is. It's a good narrative. I got it. I'm done. Right. It's it's we're we're easily sold a good story. So like you know, what's a good example of where they right? We were sold a good story about China's uh, the way the virus started out. Right. We were sold that that story and. In a way, the conspiracy theorists were usually were doing their regular work of saying, okay, whatever China says, whatever America says, it's the opposite of that. It must be a lab leak, right? And, it, and, and that time they were true because we were so easily receiving the information that the government was telling us. We were so easily receiving what China was telling us without our own analysis of, of what seems sensible in such a situation. You know, based on data, based on based on the based on our senses of the experience of, of of the millions of pieces of information that have come our way, and based on that experience, what what our senses are being told, and I think an unbiased view would have sensed that there was something more than just this kind of like bad situation in a wet market, right? There was a sense that there was something bigger there, and I think an unbiased opinion would have would have sensed that. So that the, the the right the conspiracy theories were right that time, and in a way, it's like okay, we're right this time. The next time, they were wrong, and that they're filtering everything. They're saying everything's the opposite, so they're going to hit the target at times. But the real work is to just accept that maybe there's times where the information is correct, and based on analysis, based on true analysis, not just opposite. That's not analysis. That's cheap. That's a cheap way out. It's Anybody could say that, not, right, America says 9-11 is this Al-Qaeda operation. We'll just say it's America that did it, caused it, and used Al-Qaeda as a cover, right? We'll just opposite, we'll just turn it turn it to the opposite. It's easy because you're not analyzing, you're not taking in the information, you're not studying it, you're not... And if you are, you're already based on that filter. You're already looking for that narrative of it must be something else as opposed to saying, okay, wait a second, right? Maybe there's a negligence, maybe, right? There's, there's, without a bias of what you're trying to filter out. Like an Instagram filter, right? It's like a automatic 
color, color change, automatic contrast, no matter what is being received, right? It's just a, it's a filter. There's no, there's no option to cut the filter, right? There's no option to just open up and let things through. It, it filters whatever you've set the filter to be. So I think that's the right. And then you got the left, you got the woke, and I've, I've been studying this recently. And I think they're onto even deeper truths. And I think it aggravates everybody because they're really spilling out a deep, a deep truth in society and they're grabbing onto it and they're, and, and we can't let it go until we admit those truths. The truth is that, well, first of all, the truth is that compassion and, and sympathy are, are special and very high regarded emotions, very high regarded senses of, of humanity. Compassion is first of all positive, one. Two, it bridges people, right? It, it connects people, it brings peace. Three, it, um, it lessens hate. Four, it lessens anger, right? It, in, in a general sense, compassion is this wonderful thing, right? And most people, I think there's a truth, an objective truth of compassion being a very a high regard emotion, a high regard sense of self and sense of um, societal uh, connection, societal norm. Now, that being said, it's extremely powerful, right? It's the, the critique of, of compassion is that you could be compassionate to an evil person, right? You could you could see somebody murder, right? And then find compassion in your heart for that murderer. Like, oh, he had a bad childhood, right? You could build a story, a narrative that makes the murder less and the story bigger. And therefore, there's no evil here in your opinion, right? Well, there's no evil to you, right? You could say, oh, yeah, no, it's terrible that he did the murder, but look at him, the poor guy, right? But really what you're saying is it's not terrible what he did because of the poor guy, right? That's the truth, right? They'll tell you, right? Somebody deeply compassionate about somebody doing wrong, they'll tell you, oh, no, that's terrible, but look at the poor guy. Like, they've, they've created a bigger picture, so in their mind, they know that they should be caring about the murder, but in their mind, they care about the the bigger picture, quote-unquote, of, of this poor guy. And for them, the murder doesn't mean anything. Now, doing it once, doing it twice is fine, but if there's constantly this mode of finding sympathy in everything, and especially such uh, grievous sins like murder, what ends up happening is murder becomes less and less in your eyes, right? And then when... You're in that poor state of narrative based on your sympathy towards others. And an opportunity of murder approaches you, right? Obviously, it's not a normal normal day-to-day uh, -day experience, but, you know, things, things can get really hefty in life, right? There's a sense that you will fall into that because you say, just like this guy, it's a poor guy, so like he's a murderer, but poor guy. So to you, you're a poor guy, and then... You'll, you'll just murder, right? You've allowed yourself the, I, the notion of murder. 
Now this doesn't happen overnight because we 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 are embedded with the idea that murder is bad. So, like even the compassionate guy, even the compassionate person will say, um, will say, uh, you know, this poor person, you know, what they went through and their 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 trauma and so on. But I know murder is bad. But still, look at this, right? They'll say that I know murder is bad. Like like. They'll tell you that because they want to reassure you, not them, because they're already letting go of that. But they're reassuring you that it's bad. So there's some sense that they know that it, they should be looking at the murder, not the the trauma. Even though you could look at the trauma and d dissolve the murder. What ends up happening is over time, there's no justification. There's no like, it's it's trauma, man. This is this is what you got to do when it's trauma. You know, like you suffer and then. At some point, it's like, you know, that's life, right? And then it's a point when, when they're experiencing it, they, they, will, they will have no barrier to protect them from murder because they have no reason to think it's wrong based on the fact that somebody has trauma and who doesn't have trauma, based on the fact that somebody's in pain or suffering, right? Based on all their sympathy that they had towards others will eventually uh, envelop themselves. That's a, that's a deep danger, right? When we talk about danger in life, there's nothing more dangerous than starting to see things that are terribly wrong as just totally good, right? Or, or definitely neutral. So that sets the tone. I and mean, you see that happening now. Like in the beginning, compassion was, was virtuous, but still had certain barriers. But now those barriers have fallen away. And Literally, if somebody just shows up and gives a good story that, that has a quelling of compassion, has a calling for compassion, we grab onto it. And, and in grabbing onto it, we, we're, we're losing the sense of judgment in that scenario. Like I noticed that with um, recently this, this, this comedian was on stage and somebody jumped him, attacked him, grabbed him by the hips and threw him down to the floor, right? It's an aggressive act, it's wrong, there should be justice for it. But in a sense, that didn't happen. Instead, he got stomped by many men in the back of the stage in front of an entire audience. And in the middle of a comedian's continuing of jokes, he says, I'm gonna just go back and do another stomp. Like, like and then we're, we're kind of compassionate, like the whole audience is clapping, like we're compassionate because we see this experience of somebody jumping a comedian on stage it's such an aggressive act it's big. so we're like oh poor guy right and then we're just so into the sympathy we're so into the compassion of the experience that we forget to realize that somebody doing a small jumping onto another guy doesn't deserve an hospitalization and a, and a multitude of of strong men stomping his his face in right so there, there there's there's a lack of justice in that and there's just we're just cheering on like yeah like you got him right because we got into the sympathy mode and then once we got into the sympathy mode we've lost the we've lost the sense of right and wrong because compassion makes you one with that experience and then not just one, you've, you've created a narrative in that experience that makes everything okay. So there's, there's a true danger in compassion now, but there's a true amazement in compassion, right? But that's not just what the woke movement says for. I mean, that's, that's one component. 
Another component is the of racism, where where they're attaching onto something where human beings will always be racist, and since we've held that as to be evil for a long time, we only have two options. Either we have to admit that we can never get rid of our evil, so we're always in guilt, or we have to re-recognize if we actually care about getting rid of racism. And for America, that's not an option either, because we've been built on the idea that we need to get rid of racism. And in a certain sense, it's true, right? In a certain sense, it's amazing to get rid of racism. So I think there's only two options at this point for, for society. Either we, 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 we have the, the courage to get up and say, well, we need to get rid of, racism is evil only up to a point, but it's not initially the only evil. And we could allow for certain levels of racism to just fly by society. That's one option, which will not happen because we're built on the idea that it's terrible, inherently, cardinal sin. And another option is to just, because you can never get rid of racism because every human being has a, a clan and a class and a, right? And there's out of the clan, there's boxes. We're all, you can't just open up yourself to everybody in every scenario, right? People are threats in every corner, right? It, it would be giving up your notion of being if you would, if you would try to get rid of complete racism, right? Um, and that's not an option. So we're at a stalemate. So they're just going to gain traction until somebody decides to pick one of these routes. So somebody decides to pick the route of letting go of the notion that racism is a cardinal sin, which won't happen. So it's just going to, it's going to continue to unfold as we see. Now, there's another truth in that, which is they're getting on to, is that people of color, people of more, they say minority, but I think people of color, they, they've definitely, and from my experience in living in those neighborhoods, they definitely have a sense of, of being uh, subjugated to the, to, the, to the wider society. And some of it is true and some of it's false. Some of it's just passed down from parent to son and parent, a parent to daughter, right? It's just, right, if, if, if somebody's been treated like, 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 like a piece of garbage, then they're gonna pass that information to their children that we need to be, we need to treat ourselves like nothing, right? So there's some of, so some of it's generational, right? It's just trauma gets passed, and we know that for sure through science. At this point, we know for sure that trauma gets passed, literally in DNA. Um, and another notion is that tra um, another notion is that how do you say this? It's let's say the whiter majority, the whiter, the whiter um, public society has a has has a little bit of racism in them, right? Tort, they do like it's it's completely true like there is a sense of and in that we call it systemic racism where it will it will unfold to to others not even consciously right now I think that there's no way to get rid of that that 
I think we've got to a point in our society. Here's my here's my big picture of this. I think we've got to the point where we, we, we did what we could as a communal society to get rid of every sort of structure that could demonstrate a full-on racism, right? And then there's the, the personal racism. And that will that needs that needs a lot of time. And that needs a lot of introspection and and I don't, I don't think it could really go down much more. I think that I think that it's uh, let's let me take let me take myself as an example because I'm talking about other people. I'm a Jew, so I look at myself. I look at how I grew up in America, and I, I there was definitely a sense that we were a minority, and there was definitely places that you know they're they're more anti-Semites and they're less, and there's right we we're always we're always keen on what's what, right? Subconsciously or consciously, like I know once my grandmother said, "Oh, don't go to that gym; it's waspy," right? Like we, we just we're, we're constantly coloring our society based on how much they're going to accept us and how much they're not, right? Now, that's obviously not a, a the most pleasant experience to experience, but I don't I don't feel it, it destroyed my sense of being. And I think that my critique would be more on the Jews, on the minority, taking control of that situation, right? You know, either don't go to that place, that don't go to that zone that doesn't accept you, because there'll always be a zone of people that won't accept you. So don't go to that place. And if you have to go, show them who's boss. Show them that you're not gonna you're not gonna listen to their their rhetoric, you're not gonna be a part of that, and and you're gonna call them out face front when there's there's a problem, right? You're gonna you're gonna treat them like a human being that you have a problem with if they have a problem with you. And it's not a communal thing, meaning it's not, oh, they just look at the entire society, so I'll have some compassion. No, you're a human being and you have a problem with me. So I'm gonna have a problem with you and we're gonna have to work this out. And if we can't work it out, either we will be in confrontation or we will separate, right? It's having that, that, that courage to, to, to go into those spaces. And I noticed that the, the color, the, the people of color that enter with that attitude are extremely successful because it's just really, really a lot of it is just, um, it's not fantasy, but it's, it's things that they're like, they're like uh, sheetrock walls. They're not real walls. You just have to break them down and you cut through, right? Because there's no real, I don't think there's real racism. It's just, it's a wall. It's a wall of just little stupidity inside the heart, right? It's a little wall. So either you could say, oh, I want that wall down before I, I, I get up, right? I think that's, that's asking too much. Although there is grievances that they, they have to pay for, but I think that's asking too much from other people. And instead, I think at some point, instead of asking others to help you, you get up and do what you need to do and, and take charge of life and, and say, I'm not going to live on this narrative of I'm a victim narrative that that I need to I need to gain more freedom for myself. Rather, just take it for yourself. You want the freedom, take it. Get up and take it, right? And if you get stonewalled, break down the wall. And if you can't, separate, right? I don't think there's so much racism in society where where separating will cause you to be isolated. I think. Just don't go into that 
old white city in the middle of, you know, in the middle of America, middle of Nebraska, right? Don't go there. Like, just doesn't, you know, there's so much of America to go to. You don't have to go there. Like, that doesn't need to be a place. And by the way, as a Jew, I wouldn't either go there. Like, what? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to face that. I mean, I will. I, I'll face it. I'll go if I need to, if I have something I need to do there. But I won't go as, as a leisure. I won't go. It's, it's not my place of exploration. Because I know I'm unlimited in my, in my, in my, in my cubic zone, right? We're all limited. Even the white person. You ever, that's, that's the thing. You, you look at the white person. Like, there's neighborhoods I know that white people feel they, they only go in there if they need to. They don't go in there because they want to. They don't go in there for leisure. They're, lim they're isolated from those neighborhoods. And I know that I know some of them would rather go through those neighborhoods, would, would want to, want to explore different parts of the city, different parts of Brooklyn. They want to go to these places, but they just, they set that zone. Now, I, I happen to be in the place that you just go and you do it. And, and sometimes you just open up conversation, open up dialogue that's been shallowed and lost in, in a safe somewhere, right? You just go and talk and have that conversation. Now, as a Jew, I'm a minority, so it works better with another minority, but I mean, like, there's nothing more courageous than a white person going through a black zone, a, a colored zone, and opening up the dialogue there. I don't think there's anything more courageous than that in our society. And as well, there's nothing more courageous than a colored person going into a deep white, you know, deep, deep nationalistic zone and, 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 and having that conversation too. Now I know there's there's the there's the victim and there's the oppressor, right? And it's still there is an element that the there there is an element that the the white is still the oppressor, right? They they have they have their tentacles in more areas. But first of all, that narrative is completely changing. Second of all, I think that the the, the narrative in general oppressor and, and, and victim is a very dangerous narrative because it can constantly change. It can constantly flip, right? One day the oppressor is, is, is oppressing and the next day the victim is oppressing. It happens to be that people that get oppressed usually oppress, right? So it's an easy sale narrative on Israel, like they're oppressing because they got oppressed, right? It's an easy sale because it's, it's like logical, it, fit, it fits. But it's, it's a very dangerous narrative because there's no justice in that. It's just saying that if somebody's oppressing, he's the evil. Right, so that's what we're saying. We're saying the narrative, the narrative of oppressor and victim doesn't define justice in any way. It defines compassion. I think this is a huge distinction and I want to leave off with that. Compassion is is a trait, a beautiful trait, and one that should be cherished and used in, in a very proper and careful manner. But let's not confuse that with justice. And that's that's where it gets to, not just dangerous. I mean it's really dangerous. I mean it, it's there's there's an element where it brings suicidal intention because compassion can deeply break down any any forms of truth in yourself um the oppressor victim narrative is is based on compassion not on justice
There's nothing in justice, there's nothing in law that says if someone has the state, the narrative of, of you know, oppression, then, then there's, there's just a whole new set of laws versus the one who's the victim is a new set of laws, right? Just because someone's a victim, it doesn't open up in a world of justice, the element of, of, of all hell breaks loose and everything's okay, right? There's, in a world of justice, they're completely equal. And, and a, a true and proper judge, and we're all judges in life, knows how to make that important distinction. Now that being said, now that being said, you, the, the notion of caring for the victim over the, press, uh, over the oppressor is, is a notion of compassion. And compassion and justice don't, don't work in the same category. Compassion works in an element of, of deep personal experience. It's not an element of communal justice, right? You don't look at one country being oppressor of another country and say it must be evil. That's wrong and that's not wrong, right? We have to judge things based on elements. Like who did what, why, what's going on, right? Who, 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 who took the life of someone else, right? Who did those things, right? Asking those real questions. This is justice. This is not narrative. This is not, justice doesn't live in a narrative. That's the important thing about justice. Justice comes from a narrative. The narrative is that you need something external, a set of, a set of, a system that's external outside of narrative because narrative is that powerful. Because the story is that powerful, we need to carry a different sentiment going forward when it comes to dealing with the extreme situations of society and those times of letting go of emotion and opening up for rationality. It's not to pursue rationality as the only way of life. It's to recognize that the story can't take over justice, right? You can't start saying every time someone's a victim, right? The people, let's say, people of color and, and, and the woke movement, the people of color are the victim. Therefore, everything they do and everything that's done to them is completely, is completely justified for meaning done to them, meaning everything that we've done to help them is completely justified based on the fact that there's a victim. Like you're, you're using compassion in an element of justice, right? If you can't find acts of racism, you can only find sentiment of racism, right? Systemic racism, you can't, you can't point to it. It's a system, you can't point to it. That's not a form of justice. And we can't use justice against that with our narrative of compassion. If you start using compassion and justice, you're, you're opening up a, a can of worms to, to, to never-ending wrongs being done to whatever story you're ready to paint today. I mean, and, and stories, narrative is the most powerful thing we got. So using, using your form of justice in that way, saying that, Systemic racism, meaning something you can't point to, something you can't, you can't have justice for. You're going to start imposing justice based on the fact that you have this sentiment, right? It's systemic, it's a sentiment. That's, that's, something, that's something else, man. And the truth in it is that each person's got to get their work done on themselves. And 
for me, I think that there's never, you're never going to get rid of racism in society as long as you have human beings in that society. Um, and I think at this point, there's no point in pursuing trying to get rid of more racism and to recognize that racism is not a cardinal sin. It's a bad thing. It leads to bad places. But I think murder is a cardinal sin. I think damaging someone's physical body is a cardinal sin. But to, to say that a perspective of life without those damages is a cardinal sin is opening up the door for all, all forms of justice. And definitely wrong justice, in my opinion. So you have the... There's another, there's another debate on whether racism in general, and I think this is a, a good time in, in our society to open up that debate. What's the wrongs in racism? And what is, and, and, and what, is, what are the rights possibly in racism, right? When you have a, a society that has groups, right? Different cultures, Somebody outside of each one of those cultures will be looked at in a different manner than those in the culture. That's just, it's my people versus your people, right? You hear that a lot now. It's my people, right? Colored people, my people. So you have that, that form of racism. When you have that form of racism, how evil was racism? And was racism the core to all those evils? Meaning, was it racism for the Nazis? Was it racism for enslaving people? Or was it just bad people? Right? I think racism is just a, it's just a, a tool for the evil person, but not necessarily an actual Welcome to the Second Chance Podcast, where we explore the deeper inner of the human psyche and new ways to reinvent and invent ourselves for the better, for the wiser, for the more rational, and the happier and more contented. Thanks for listening, and if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.